When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, it's the weekend. I know it feels different than every other weekend, but we are here for you on Inside Sports. Thanks for checking in on this Friday night. In an hour from 7 to 8 tonight, we will have a condensed version of the Oilers' 8-3 win over the Calgary Flames on February 1st. You may remember that game. The Oilers got a couple of early goals They got a penalty shot goal late in the game. They scored eight goals overall. And, oh, yeah, a couple of goaltenders got into a fight. We'll have all the big moments for you. That's between 7 and 8 tonight. Off the draw, Matt Benning high slot. Waits, shoots. But, again, the Oilers had lost 12 in a row before that. Who in front? Quick shot, score! Puck pop free! And Ryan Nugent Hopkins found it and buried it in one motion. I don't even know where it came from. Edmonton will take it and with it a 2-1 lead. But in the meantime, we give you a goal scored by Ryan Nugent Hopkins on March 9th against the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, why would I pick out that goal? Well, it just so happens that our first guest tonight is a huge fan and supporter of the Nuge from Oilers Nation. It's our good buddy, Bag Milk. Bago, how are you doing? Welcome back to the show. Wilkie, pleasure to be here, my friend. All right. Were you tearing up hearing the Nuge goal, or how are you doing? You know what? It's just, uh, you know what? I, I, it made me happy to hear Jack's calls, you know, to be honest. It, it's been a weird week and change without hockey, I'll tell you that much. Well, and that's where I want to start with you. Uh, of course, uh, you're with uh, with Oilers Nation, OilersNation.com. You and I have known each other a, a few years now just through, uh, you know, covering the team and talking about the team. And it's, it's, it's always great to have you on the show. And you often do this in studio. We can't do that right now, but we'll do that once uh, the world is healthy again and we can get a little bit more back to normal. How has it been for you and your colleagues here uh, you know, the site is called Oilers Nation, so there's one primary topic. How's it been since uh, the league said we're in a pause? Understandably tough. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, everybody in the world is being impacted by what's going on right now. So we're no different. Um, we're just trying to keep going. We're trying to go forward, and that means having to get a little bit creative in terms of what we're putting out. But what we our mission to everybody that reads the website and everybody that is no others fan is that we're going to keep producing articles and we're going to keep putting up new stuff daily. Today we've already got five six things up, so we're doing our best to entertain and try and come up with scenarios and try to get creative and keep producing content. It's tough. We have to get a little bit weird tonight. We are simulating the Oilers lightning game that was supposed to happen tonight, so we're gonna we've got that going at seven o'clock on the website. So. We're just getting weird. We're getting weird. We're all stuck inside. We're all trying to figure it out and do the best we can, just like everyone else. Okay, I want to ask you about these simulations, and a few teams and individuals are doing this, and it is pretty neat, and it is amazing now with computers and video games how 
Yeah, I mean, I see people posting video on Twitter, and sometimes I'll look and I'll be like, oh, they're showing highlights from an earlier game, and then I'll, oh, wait, that's actually that's actually a video game. It, it, they all look so good right now. So tell us what what platform, oh, my God, is that Frank? Frank, Frank. Frank knows we're talking. That's now. Now is Frank, as an aside here, is Frank doing the Frank's picks for these games? I do have. As soon as I get off uh, the radio here with you, Reed, we are doing Frank's picks because we're trying to maintain as much normalcy as we possibly can in a very abnormal world. If, if people don't know, Bag Milk's dog Frank makes a prediction prior to each Oilers game. Uh, well, Bago, you describe what you do with the dog. So what I do is I set up. Each team on a little piece of paper, I hand draw the logos. They are as act. It's it's realist art, is how I would describe it. <laughs> they're, they're pretty good. They look dead ringers for the real thing. <laughs> and then I put a treat on each side. I do a little preamble. My dog Frank, he waits patiently. Basically, he's just waiting for me to shut up, really. And then he uh, he goes in and he picks the winner. So this season, he was floating, you know, give or take a game or two around the 500 mark. So he's actually doing pretty good. He's, uh, he, he got on a little bit of a roll at the end of the season before we, uh, before everything got suspended. So I know he was a little bit, bit disappointed. So he's excited to get back at it for the simulated game. All right. Well, and he gets to eat both treats, right? It's just which one he goes to first. So a dog's of always going to like that. Okay. So with this, and, and here's what I got to ask you, because the, the simulation you guys did of the Washington game on Monday, it was 6-1 after the first period and the shots were 29-22. And I suggested to Dan on Twitter, and I mentioned on my show, you may need to adjust maybe the period length or something to get the stats <laughs> a little more realistic. Tell us the results of the games the system you're using all that kind of stuff so right now we're just streaming through ps4 on twitch but we've embedded that into the website so on oilersnation.com right now the lead article is a game day preview of tonight's game between the oilers and lightning now that first one you were talking about we were just testing we were we were giving it our old college try to see what would happen and the final score was uh 15 to 12 for the oilers over the capitals it was a oh, they rally to win they rallied to win. <laughs> Dave Tippett was understandably upset by the lack of defense. <laughs> we saw both goalies for both sides. There was 100 shots on each side. So what we learned from there is that we had to adjust a few things. And then the last game we did was a 2-1 heartbreaker to the Ottawa Senators on Wednesday night. So they beat the Capitals 15-12. How, many, right. how many points did Dreisaitl McDavid have? Do you remember? Uh, I remember the runaway star was actually Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse put up a whopping seven points. Oh, it was an incredible effort. It was an incredible outing from Darnell Nurse. I just I couldn't have been more impressed with his gameplay, his uh, his ability to rush the puck up ice. He was distributing out there, Reed. All right, and and there were over two hundred shots combined in the game. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, absolutely. So. Uh, the Corsi lovers were all about it. So then a, a disappointing uh, loss to the Senators. And, and so you have to simulate the rest of the league along with this, right, if you're going to have standings and possibly playoffs? Well, you know, you're, you're, you're getting uh, too far ahead of us. We are just simple folk. <laughs> you're too, we're simple folk at OilersNation.com, Reed, and all we're doing right now is we're just looking at our beloved Oilers and we're simulating out the rest of the schedule. We're making sure that the lineups are updated to what the, they were for the last game before the, the uh, season was suspended. So we're trying to make it as realistic as possible. However, 
every now and then you get a little glitch in the matrix and you end up with a 15-12 score. Now, have you thought about maybe asking Jack and Bob if they'd come in and do some commentary? Maybe Rob and I could do calls after one of these games. Have you considered? I, I, I would do it. I, I'd do one if you wanted. I'd we would love mine. it. I don't know how we'd set it up, but we, we'd, we'd figure out something. We would love it. If we could get a call from Jack and Bob on one of these things, it would be spectacular. The, the, the people would love it. They would be heroes in the community. Well, I, I believe you and Bob are dying to meet each other, so that would that would be pretty cool too. But again, we might have to do it remotely or, or each in our own little studio or something like that. Well, that that's pretty fun. Uh, I'm glad. To, are you at liberty to tell me about how many people tune into these streams for the simulated games? We had uh, honestly, um, so they're getting larger by the game as people start to realize that we're doing this on a nightly basis. They're getting bigger, so we actually had hundreds of people just sitting there watching the stream on Wednesday and then they're commenting on both Twitch and on OilersNation.com. They're giving their thoughts and it's hilarious, Reed. People are getting mad about power plays. People are getting mad about missed calls. It's so funny. It's just one of those like, you know what it is? It's a little break from the endless barrage of bad news that we're all being fed lately. It's just a two-hour break in your day where you get to be a little bit silly and yeah, it's a dumb, silly, fun idea, but you know what? I think we could all use a little bit more fun in our lives right now, especially when we're all trapped in the house. Yeah, well, I agree. There, there's a lot of sad news. There's a lot of stressful news, but I think we still got to be uh, remind ourselves we're human beings and it's okay to laugh every once in a while. And we've been trying to do that on Inside Sports this week as well. As well and uh, we'll keep going with that in the days and weeks to come. Uh, I, I, we're going to replay the uh, 8-3 win over the Flames from 7-8. to eight. Uh, bag milk. You're uh, you're a little younger than me. I can remember the heated days of the Battle of Alberta, where it actually was a battle, where it actually was where there was hatred, where there were significant playoff series between the two teams. Uh, I don't know who knows if we will or would have had a playoff series uh, this year. But for you to see that game and experience that on February the first, can you? I mean, even the lead up to that with some of the other bad blood. Can you tell us about your Battle of Alberta experience this year contrasted to maybe earlier in your life? Well, you said it, right? It's for the bulk of my life, the Battle of Alberta didn't really mean a whole lot outside of watching Hemsky get pummeled in the corners. Um, There was, it was pretty one-sided for a long time, as you know, Reed. So this year where both teams are actually playing well and there's some hatred built up and there's some storylines it's it's been a lot of fun to watch and one of the heartbreaking things for all of us uh at at weather's nation is we were supposed to go down on april 4th down to calgary for the last game of the year and we couldn't have been more excited we sold out that bus trip and we're talking hours so people are excited again about the battle of alberta and the idea of it potentially having playoff implications was just something that I think we were all looking forward to. It, it, it made games a lot more fun. And that game 8-3 down in Calgary where there was the, the goalie fight, that fight is still, and it's not close, the most viewed fight on HockeyFights.com this year, and it's by a country mile. So I think it's good for the Battle of Alberta. I think it's good for the league. I think it's good for the Pacific Division. And more importantly, it's great for all the fans that are out here watching it too because I know how desperately Oilers fans wanted to matter in the Battle of Alberta, and that was what was happening this year. Bag Milk from Oilers Nation joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports, telling you a little bit about how their site is going to... uh 
uh, have uh, simulations of the rest of the Oilers games until uh, whenever the, the games get uh, going again. So, you know, th- this year has been an interesting one, Bag Milk, and uh, more good than bad for sure. And it's been interesting to see what's happened with Ryan Nugent Hopkins since he's been on the line with Drysdale and Yamamoto. You know what it was like most of last year for Nugent Hopkins by himself, playing with fourth liners, playing with AHLers, still having pretty good point totals, but often not having anybody to play with. And then sometimes people questioning, well, you know, can he do it? How come he's not more productive five on five? As someone who's a big fan of number 93, I mean, you're right up there when it comes to supporting the Nuge. What has it been like seeing what he's been able to do this season, especially since New Year's Eve? Well, I mean, you know me, Reed. Like, you know how much I love the Nuge. We came up with Keep Nuge Forever because of my obsession with this player. And it's even been funny to see him transition from before he got his hand fixed up. His The start to his season was just awful. Uh, he was hitting posts. He wasn't getting much luck. He had... He was struggling to produce points. And then from New Year's on, when Dave Tippett put him with Leon and Yamamoto, that line was arguably the best line in the NHL, in my opinion. And to see him have some success was fantastic. It was fun to watch. I love that little one, that low snapper to the to the blocker side that he loves to do. It's unstoppable at this point. And the guy pulled himself back into being almost a point-per-game producer over that in since since uh new year's eve against the rangers so it's been a lot of fun to watch my big concern now is he's only got one year left on that contract uh ken holland's gonna need to clear a little bit of space because i need my man to sign an extension and i would like that to happen sooner than later i don't want to be stressed out for the next year and a half about this but i'd rather <laughs> him get it done now but to answer your question it's been great fun to watch him i love watching him play with skilled guys it took a little bit of time for him and leon to find their chemistry but once they did unstoppable and i think even when he got moved up with connor right before the stoppage you could kind of tell that that second line or whatever you want to call it with tyler ennis dry and yamamoto wasn't quite as effective because tyler ennis and i know he's new to the team he's still trying to figure things out but he wasn't able to cash in the chances that nuge was in the month and a half leading up to it so he, he was on a roll. It's disappointing that uh, obviously we had to put a pause on this season and kind of be unable to watch what that line was doing because they were a lot of fun to watch and they were producing a lot of points. All right. I, I've asked you this before, but we've had a couple texts asking me why I'm calling you bag milk. Do you want to <laughs> tell that story one more time? All right. Well, the, the, the long version short is when I was about 19 years old, a buddy and I decided that we were going to become bloggers and we wanted to use pseudonyms and to come up with the pseudonyms, we decided that we were going to choose the stupidest possible pseudonyms we ever could think of. And that's why I came up with bag milk. Now, fast forward 15 years and I'm in my mid thirties. Now I'm stuck with this thing professionally, but Hey, I probably should have picked something a little bit cooler. I never thought it was going to turn into a full-time job. But now I get called bag milk to my face in public, and it's very, very odd. I recognize that. So all the people texting in, why is this dink calling himself bag milk? <laughs> I completely get it. It is completely absurd. It's ridiculous. But I'm stuck with it. Well, so it's, what are you going to do? Maybe at some point you could have an identity reveal party. Like parents have gender reveal parties. Maybe at some point 
like maybe that would that gives gives you a little bump again in in terms of people paying attention to i i don't know maybe maybe an identity reveal party should be in your future at some point well i I think i've said this to you before as well reed but nobody cares who calvin brodus is but they sure certainly care who snoop dogg is (laughs) that's an excellent way to put it hey thanks for checking in tonight uh again i hope the next time we're doing this it it is in person and uh i I always uh, appreciate uh your interactions uh we've we've developed a pretty good relationship over the years thanks for telling us what's going on at oilers nation I appreciate you, Reed. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. That is Bag Milk. Don't worry, everybody. Not his real name. But that is his pseudonym for uh, OilersNation.com that he writes and tweets under and, and posts all the uh, fun stuff. I, I got to admit, interviewing him, it is a little odd saying, well, Bag Milk, tell me about this. But, hey, that's uh, like he said, that's what he's going with. That's how he's known. It is 622. It is Inside Sports. On 6.30, Chet, 22 minutes after 6, you can call or text 780-496-0063. The replay of the February 1st win over the Flames will start at 7 o'clock back after the break. We just had bag milk on the show. Here's a good text, Kellen. These guys with fake names are so silly. And that comes from Bacon Man. (laughs) That's a good one. Craig says, when I first saw that moniker bag milk online, I thought that's the coolest pseudonym I've ever seen. That is from Craig. That's pretty good. Certainly easy to remember. Definitely would be, it's a better pseudonym than beet juice. Is that yours? No. Does somebody have that one? I've seen it before. Beet juice. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a Modern Twist, NorthChickenYEG.com. And uh, they are focusing a lot on takeout and delivery with all the uh, social distancing that is going on. And I got I to gotta read one more text I got. It is from uh, Gene Principe the legend himself, the master of puns. And he came up with a question I should have asked our previous guest. Here it is. With the NHL paused, is bagged milk sour? See, I'm just not as quick-witted as Gene. I didn't think of that. He was all over it, though. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, Gene's the king. Gene is the king. Okay, Bob Stoffer is going to check in. We will uh, talk about that game on February 1st and uh, another game I want to get Bob to go down memory lane on that featured a lot of fights and I think brought an Oilers team together. You can get the latest on the coronavirus on 630ched.com, globalnews.ca and in our news update coming up in two and a half minutes.
the Stone Age Killers. Great track. This is a great album. Songs for the Deaf. This would be one of my top ten albums of all time. I think this was on an EA Sports NHL game back in the day. 2003. Raptors, uh, Raptors leading Orlando 17-15 with four and a half minutes left in the first quarter of game one of their first round series. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the Raptors are going to do well in this particular game. I think they're going to take the series, I'll say, in five. Good prediction. Yeah. I'm quite the genius, aren't I? Okay. In half an hour after the 7 o'clock news, we will have a condensed version of the February 1st game between the Oilers and the Flames, played in Calgary. Oilers got out to an early lead. They won 8-3. There were some other festivities in that game. Not This is not a, this is not from that game, but it's along these lines. Now, uh, Bookberger from behind on Allison. He's held on Frazier. throws a right at Frazier. You know why Brown is out there. Brown down on one knee and trying to hold Waters down. Here's McTavish. And behind the play, we've got another fight breaking out, and the goaltender Ranford is in this one. Now everybody on the ice piling back into the Oilers' zone. So I guess this is somewhat of a fitting climax to this game. It's been this way all night long. The goaltender of the Oilers is in the bottom of that pile somewhere. It's back in the Oilers zone along the boards. McSorley is being pulled away. Finally, Ranford, the goaltender, is back up. And now here's Tikkanen trying to get at McSorley from behind. And McSorley throwing some punches and Tikkanen punching him. And now Ron Scott, the king into it and the crowd roars all right so that's from february 28 1990 la kings edmonton oilers they combined for 356 minutes in penalties it is currently the fourth most penalty minutes in a game combined for two teams uh the audio i took off a youtube video that's the legend bob miller doing the play-by-play there as we bring in uh, bob stoffer bob i know you reference that game a lot the whole video of the fights on YouTube, Bob, is over 14 minutes long. That's how many altercations there were in that game. Uh, do you recall where you were that night, Reed Wilkins? I, do, I actually don't, Bob. I, I I mean, I would have been in high school, so I, I, I don't have a, a great memory of, of that game, but I know you do. I was, I was shot listening for Darren Dutition on ITV Sports Night. Uh, Annie Stark was the producer of the show. And we were coming on with the highlights after that game. And uh, Darren and myself were watching, and we're like, this is the greatest. This is exactly what the Oilers needed. They needed after Wayne Gretzky uh, led the come from behind in the 1989 playoff series. There needed there needed to be a come-to-Jesus moment for the Oilers, and they needed to, in a way, kind of sever the ties with Gretzky and the L.A. Kings. And Marty Mitzorley started it. He went after Marc Messier 30 seconds into the game, and Messier took the fight. And guess which show did not end up running uh, the night of that game as it climbed up to four hours total. <laughs> did the sports so, show get preempted? ITV Sports Night, which at that time in 1990, that was a huge show. That was, you know, TSN had, had not started to dominate 
nationally yet uh, with half-hour sports shows. Uh, the, the concept for ITV Sports Night at that type actually came from uh, CNN's show with Nick Charles, who has since passed on, and uh, Freddie Hickman and uh, Van Earl Wright and guys like that. And Stark went to work down, down in the States and to you know understand the concept of half-hour sports-driven shows. And so that's kind of uh, the genesis of, you know, Detition came roughly off the top of my head. It would have been in the 86-87 season. And he scaled to heights that were unmatched in terms of a local television sportscaster in this market. I would say that Wes Montgomery, radio-wise, uh, had a huge following and listenership, a massive share. And, and Darren Detition had likewise. And then our show that night got preempted and we watched all of it. And it was awesome. And the Oilers had everybody on board and engaged. And I looked at Darren that night. And I remember we were thinking, I think both of us thought uh, the Oilers have got a chance to, to go far in the playoffs. They'd also had a 10-game winning streak right around Christmas into the New Year's. They lost New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. You could look it up in the schedule. Uh, one, of, one of those days, I think it was December 31st in Winnipeg, 10 to 10-game winning streak. So special moment. And, and frankly, a lot of emotion, and L.A. had supplanted Calgary as the Oilers' primary rival, though, of course, you know, they play that 80, that 91 series. Yeah, great series. But a year later, that was just awesome as well. And, yeah, you're going to run the uh, selected audio clips of the game against Calgary uh, where the Oilers blew them out 8-3, and that was a fun, fun night, Reed. So, uh, and by the way, I should mention the game on the, the game you're talking about in February 1990, L.A. actually won the game. Uh, it was 4-2 for the Kings, but nobody really remembers that. You were there in Calgary on February 1st. You know, Rob and I watched the road games in studio. Whenever Calgary yeah. and Edmonton play each other, there are always a lot of visiting fans in, in whatever city it is. Can you just, I mean, I know you're, you're commenting on it and, and watching it from up top in the, in the press box in Calgary, but can you just describe the vibe in the building as, as all of that was going on? Because, you know, I, I, I had Bag Milk on from Oilers Nation, and he's younger than us, and he'd never seen that in the Battle of Alberta. Like, he'd never seen a goalie fight. Like, you and I saw stuff when we, you're a little older than me, but we saw wild stuff in the 80s. You saw wild stuff in the 70s. Like, there's a, there's a whole generation of fans, probably under 30, maybe even 35, that probably hadn't seen something, uh, that wild breakout in an NHL game. Well, as you know, the, the most amount of fighting in the NHL, they eliminated the bench-clearing brawls, but the most amount of fighting that we've actually seen in the league occurred 1986 to 1992. It was a weird feeling. I mean, the Flames had rung off. Uh, the Oilers won a couple games late last year. As you recall, the last one where McDavid got hurt in Calgary and Leon got number 50. But the, the, the Flames hadn't lost Edmonton yet this season. And uh, there was a little bit of an air of superiority there that the Oilers couldn't elevate to take care of business, especially given that, uh, you know, Calgary had won the game on the 28th. I think the score was 4-3 in that one. And they'd found a way to get the win. And... Um, that was quickly set aside, like in the first two shifts of the game, because the Oilers scored on their first two shifts. I would say there was 1,500 to 2,000 Oilers fans at that game, and the response by Yamamoto on the first goal and his little, you know, big save Dave Riddick, of course, flipped the stick on the stop and the, the shootout to get the 4-3 victory, and the Oilers gave it back to him, and, and then they got the 2 nothing lead and were off and running. Uh, I will say, when the Flames went from 4-1 to 4-3, Reed. I was a little bit nervous, um, and I was thinking, uh-oh, but uh, when 
Caleb Jones ripped one from the right point that made it uh, 6-3 in that stage at that point. I mean, McDavid had already scored two goals. Yamamoto was brilliant. Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle combined on the 5-3 goal after Calgary had scored two quick ones to go from 4-1 to 4-3. And it was about their third forced turnover. So the 5-3 goal followed by the 6-3 goal. You know, at that point, I'm starting to think to myself, all right, pretty good situation here. Not to mention, they'd already chased David Riddick as well. Um, and you could you could feel sort of the realization that Edmonton had elevated here and Calgary hadn't been able to match it. And part of the reason why the Oilers had been able to elevate was because of the degree of, phys- of physicality and buy and read. And it really started first shift of the game when Yamamoto, with the Oilers' smallest player, the smallest, the lightest player in the league, goes in, knocks the guy off the puck to create a turnover, and then it comes back to him. And we didn't see that out of some of Calgary's better, smaller players, and we saw it out of the Oilers' tiniest player who played one of the biggest roles. Bob Stoffer, well, Kyle Yamamoto, absolutely unbelievable in that game. Uh, Bob Stoffer joining us on Inside Sports tonight. You get him on Oilers now, noon to 2 every day here on 630. Chad, color analyst for Oilers broadcasts whenever we get back to playing hockey. Bob, the, the whole concept of, uh, of the line brawl, the bench clearing brawl, is, uh, is unique to hockey, certainly. Uh, I, the, the one memory I have, and, and you know what, Rob Brown has all the stories about how when he was in the WHL, they had to have separate warm-ups for teams so there wouldn't be fighting in the warm-up. Yep. The one memory that I have, and I just double-checked the date, it was May 14th, 1987. The game would have started at 5 or 5.30 here in Edmonton. It was Philadelphia and Montreal in the playoffs. And you got to remember, there's there's no Twitter. I'm living in Evansburg. You know, we got two channels. So I turn on the TV at 5.30 or whenever it started, and I believe it was Dick Irvin is voicing over highlights of fights in the pregame warm-up. And, like, you had no clue that this had all just broken loose. And, and that happened in the pre-warm-up of a playoff game. Uh, you know, Montreal and Quebec ha- had a lot of brawls. Certainly, I mean, you mentioned Edmonton and Calgary. Um, what year was that that Bearcat Murray slapped the fan with a towel? I mean, all these, all these crazy incidents, they were um, almost weekly, maybe, in, in, in the NHL in the, in the era you mentioned earlier. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you, you mentioned the stuff in 87. And, uh, you know, the Battle of Quebec was in 84. And, and that was, you know, mostly because of Louis Slayer and, and Bruce Hood. That was the last game he ever officiated because he allowed the players that had been kicked out of the game at the end of the second period to come back on the ice for the warm-up of the third. Then all hell broke loose. Right. And I'll never forget, like, Peter Stashney got sucked into a fight. He got kicked out of the game. And the reaction of Michelle Bergeron's face. Uh, the Flyers... Uh, you know, the, the one of the Canadians was scary because you had guys on the ice and they weren't on with skates. They were actually out there. Some guys, you know, had their flip-flops on the ice. Other guys had skates and Nyland ended up with Dave Brown. Uh, I was in Blue River, British Columbia in 87. I remember exactly where I was out at a dingy little bar watching it. And uh, But what made this line brawl in particular so... Like, you know, Sam Gagne had, had mentioned to me that when he came back from the injury after Cassian broke his jaw, Giordano took some liberties with him and face-washed him a couple times. And he said, if I ever get a chance, if the game's ever out of reach, I'm going to go after him. And, you know, the funny thing is, I'm going to take you back to 86, read game six in Calgary. Uh, they always said, hey, if anything gets out of reach, look out. And that's when Dave Semenko got the upper hand on Tim Hunter and really opened up Tim Hunter with some shots. And uh, McSorley and uh, Nick Fatiu did the little, I'm going to lead the dance, no, you're going to lead the dance type thing. And nobody ended up throwing a punch. 
But, you know, Gagne, in many respects to me, kind of accelerated that whole process in front of the Calgary goal. And uh, and I was all for it because, you know, Giordano knows how to play right to an edge and sometimes a little past it, and there was some gamesmanship going on. And then when Ethan Bear started fighting uh, Matthew Kachuk, I thought, great for Ethan Bear. But in my wildest dreams, Reed, I would have never believed that Cam Talbot would have gone out to fight Mike Smith. And Darnell Nurse gets an assist for all, from all of us on that. Because he looked at Cam Talbot and said, if you want to go fight somebody, that guy's waiting for you right there. And I was, as he was skating out there, I'm like, you know, Jack's going nuts. I'm thinking to myself, I like Cam Talbot. He's a good guy. He's been in Oilers <laughs> the last few years. I'm like, what are you? You're going to get killed here, buddy. Because Mike Smith has got the size on him. They're reaching him. And Mike Smith, unlike like Ronnie Hextall, was an overrated tough guy goalie. And I mean that in all sincerity. Like, he lost the fight to Felix Botvin. You look at uh, you look at Mike Smith, and you knew he was going to go to town, and he went to go to. And let's face it, Reed, that was the culminate. That was the bitter sweet culmination of the evening for Oilers fans. Your team absolutely snot kicked the flames, and your your current goaltender is just throttling their current goaltender, Ethan Bear, who's beloved in this market, who's given away you know three inches in height and 20 pounds in weight, stands up and goes toe-to-toe with Kachuk. It all made for a really spectacular moment. And you know what? Gosh darn it, Reed, we need more of those, and as soon as possible, I hope. Bob, I, I just continue to be impressed about how you remember exactly where you were for every big game. I mean, that, that is truly incredible. Reed, I hope... I get to remember a hell of a lot more games and in a hurry. I mean, it's uh, we're, we're going to have some, obviously, some time away here. There's bigger issues that need to get settled. Uh, I've got way too many links to things like uh, Al- Al- Alberta's health uh, page and uh, the, the worldwide coronas, coronavirus update and that sort of thing. Uh, serious matters indeed. At some point, I'm praying we get a chance to to get back and uh, get some hockey entertainment so we can do more of this kind of stuff which is just talk hockey yeah well we we love doing it bob i always love having you on the show and we often try to touch on some other sport when we're on oh by the way tom brady signed with the buccaneers today usually would be something i talk about very early in the show a little different times okay so what's what's going to look weirder Uh, brady playing for the buccaneers montana playing for the chiefs gretzky playing for uh, st louis for a couple months What's the weirdest look? Well, I think the the Brady uh, the Brady one is very similar to Montana and the Chiefs. Um, I can remember <laughs> being at Don Sherry's and watching that playoff game when uh, when Montana uh, uh, went in there for the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe he got them like their first victory. It was might have been a, a wild card game. I think against Chiefs Elway, Kansas. wasn't it? I think it was Montana yeah. Elway. Yeah, yeah. And so, to me, I, I, you know, let's put it this way: my hope is that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl never suit up for another NHL team other than the Edmonton Oilers. So on that note, I really wish for New England that it could have worked out for Tom Brady because I think there's certain players, you know, that should only be one organization players. And I had Wayne Gretzky on, and when Daryl Cates was pursuing the Oilers, in 2007, Wayne was coaching the Arizona Coyotes, the Phoenix Coyotes at that time. And I said, Wayne, people, you know, they want to ask because of what happened with Peter and he had to sell the team, you know, and you didn't get a stay at Edmonton, and he cut me off right there and basically said that will never happen. Like, finances will never be the reason for why you lose a player. Uh, and, you know, when, when the great one says that, I think that's a pretty good lesson because... Let's face it, we kind of got ripped off. We, we got spoiled, but we got ripped off. And so if I'm a New England fan, 
you know, or or 49ers fan when Montana was there. You in different circumstances, the 49ers had to make a choice, obviously between Steve Young and uh, and Joe Montana. This this one, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I get it. Brady's 43. I'm stunned he's getting 30 million a year. But my hope is that we see Connor and Leon here for the duration of their NHL careers. Bob, you're the best for coming on. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend, and I hope you and your family are doing well. All right, Ray, you too, man. Take care. That is Bob Stauffer checking in, host, uh, host of Oilers now here on 630 Chat. I just uh, quickly double-checked, 1990, uh, what was it, 1993 was Joe Montana's first season with the Chiefs. They went 11-5, and and they uh, beat... Where was I here? Lost my place. They beat uh, Pittsburgh in a playoff game. They beat Houston in a playoff game, and then they lost to the Buffalo Bills in the uh, AFC Championship. So there you go. It is 6.50. Back for some final thoughts, and we're uh, getting you ready for the 7.05 start of the game from February 1st between the Oilers and Flames. Yesterday, we've confirmed 49 new cases of COVID-19. This means that 195 cases have now been identified in our province. We suspect up to 11 of these cases may be community transmission, and I want to be clear, 11 total, not 11 of the new cases. However, investigations are continuing, and these numbers will likely change as more information becomes available. As before, it is only Calgary and Edmonton who seem to potentially be implicated by these cases. Ten individuals are now hospitalized, five of whom are receiving care in the ICU, which is three additional ICU admissions over the past 24 hours. There have been no additional deaths. The good news is that we're now starting to see numbers of Albertans who have recovered from COVID-19. As of today, three individuals have been reported to us as recovered. Dr. Dina Hinshaw, part of her update today about the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and how it is affecting Alberta. So you heard it there, 49 new cases, 195 in total for the province of Alberta, though three of those have now been recovered. Unfortunately, someone uh, did pass away in the last couple of days, five people currently in ICU. We'll uh, obviously keep you updated on that over the weekend as it is the uh, biggest story in the world. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. You can text 7804960063. I got somebody written in here saying that uh, United Sport and Cycle also doing a live stream of Oilers simulated games. We had bag milk from Oilers Nation on earlier. They're doing that as well. I'm sure uh, uh, many of you who are interested in the world of video games may be doing your own simulation of the National Hockey League season involving the Oilers or your team of choice. Kellen, thanks for everything this week, buddy. Yeah, you too. Enjoy uh, firing off the audio. From February 1st in the next hour. Oh, and Lilith Hobo. Yes, it is. It's Friday. What a treat. Big thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. Down the road. 
you miss anything or want to hear something again, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com or sign up for the podcast wherever you get your podcast. So after the 7 o'clock news, it is a condensed version of the game, February 1st, Oilers 8, Flames 3. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the game in the next hour. I'll talk to you on Monday. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.